0: Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all of our heroes in public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. The show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its Soundless Initiative. This episode is sponsored by the Finest Service Organization, a provider of line of duty death loan protection through many of our POCUA institutions. I am Ken Bader, your host for Public Safety Talk Radio, and I have a really intriguing guest, uh, an individual that's an expert at grant writing that I had the privilege Uh, of meeting at a couple of the Public Safety Foundation summits uh, that were in Vegas the last few months. Uh, She is Joan Brody and she is the president of, so I can get this right, Joan L. Brody Grant Writing and Development. She's been doing that for over two decades. We're gonna talk to her about how she's helping a lot of public safety professionals throughout the country, especially departments. Joan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ken, it's
1: great to be here.
0: It's great to have you. You know, you're you're actually one of the few people that I've actually listened to presentations, and you actually made grant writing sound a little bit fun. So good job on that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm a self-proclaimed grant geek, so yeah. So it's,
1: uh, that's my job. I'm glad I did it well.
0: Well, we we need the grant geeks, especially today in uh, both police and and fire and a lot of other areas. Uh, But yeah, I think the most obvious question is, you know, growing up, you know, I'm I'm assuming you grew up in my hometown of Chicago. I know you're in that area now that, you know, you're sitting there in that beautiful city and you're playing with dolls and things. You're thinking... I want to grow up and be a grant writer. Yeah. How does somebody aspire to be not only a grant writer, but an expert grant writer as you are?
1: Um, Yeah, it's a great question. Um, (laughs) So uh, I, uh, uh, growing up, I can't say I wanted to be a grant writer. Um, What did you want to
0: be? Did you want to play second base for the White Sox? I
1: I did. I did want to play second base. a big white sex fan. I'll just state that at the beginning. That's why you're on the show. I think, um, I think when I was growing up, um, uh, I was interested, uh, in law, but my father was a lawyer and, uh, he said, uh, if, uh, if you become a lawyer, I'm going to break your arm. So I don't think he wanted us to become lawyers. I have three brothers, but I was very interested in criminal justice, and uh, I ended up going to school for that. And there I met uh, George Kelling, who introduced me to Bill Bratton, and mm-hmm. everyone knows Bill Bratton in policing. And I worked with Bill Bratton in the Boston Police Department, uh, in the NYPD, uh, on his staff in both, and then in his consulting business. Um, and then I went on to uh, start my own consulting business and um, during that time um, you may recall uh, there was a lot of funding under the Clinton administration going to public safety and uh, we learned very quickly uh, that if you were proactive uh, and that you were the squeaky wheel and you told the federal government what your needs were that uh, you could get more grant funding because if you think about it, the federal government doesn't really have their own constituency besides the District of Columbia mm-hmm. and uh, they're always looking for great ideas. and, and Bratton had great ideas and and we would uh, be that squeaky wheel and say, here's what uh, public safety agencies need. Here's how you should fund this. And um, that ended uh, up being really uh, uh, really well received. And they put out grants in that area. We applied for them and uh, we were successful. So, um, you know, I always say grant writing is really policy and program development uh, and strategy. And so that's that's how
0: I got into it, and that's why I love it. Yeah, I I haven't written or or tried to access as many grants anywhere near as I'm sure you have. I think I've probably done it uh, three or four times, and uh, actually got one five thousand dollar grant in in, right? in in that. So uh, so it actually does work if you do it right. Um, but uh, but yeah, I know that there were two or three of them that I think in the first page, I just said, yeah, I don't, uh, I'm not going to live long enough to have enough patience to actually get through all of this. You seem like a much more patient person than I'll ever be.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they are, um, they can be challenging. And I think people are intimidated by them because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, especially a federal grant. I mean, it's like a 45 page document the solicitation and uh you know uh, so the first thing you do is when you get it is you print it <laughs> and, then, and then you lose it and so you keep it You so
0: you're keeping the paper bills in yeah, business say, cool got yeah
1: yeah they keep the paper industry alive um killing the trees no um actually <laughs> but you you do end up a, a lot of paper uh and uh and you put it in your to read later pile and then you never get to it because uh, it's, it's hard. So what I try to do in my business is um, uh, help take away um, that fear and uh, show folks how to kind of cut to the chase and how to really read, see, read these solicitations uh, and see if they're a fit for you. Um, and not to uh, just apply for everything. You know, I always say, you know, just don't throw spaghetti at the wall and see what's right. more strategic and prioritize what your needs are.
0: Yeah, that that sounds like good advice, uh, rather than wasting time being strategic about it. Um, i know a little bit about that, um, but not about grant writing. So I need to ask you, you know, you mentioned, you know, those 45 page plus uh, grant proposals out there. Yeah, on average, how long does it take you to work with a client and actually complete one of those suckers? <laughs>
1: So, um, yeah, so, uh, it's varies. Um, so I get asked this question a lot and um, it really depends what I'm doing. So I sometimes work with, uh, you know, police departments, nonprofits, uh, fire departments, uh, corrections, um, all the different public safety entities you talked about, um, sometimes technology companies even. Mm-hmm. And um, it depends what they need. If I'm writing the grant from soup to nuts and I'm helping them develop their Approach and, and doing everything in the proposal, um, and then helping them submit it, it could be 80 hours, but so more than true. likely, it's closer to 20 hours of work, because uh, usually it's a team effort. And usually it ends up being, um, you know, to pay a grant writer, and this is just a general rule, to pay a grant writer, um, to get to know your department and your agency, and to learn everything about it is, is a little bit of a waste of time. It's better to uh, find some Someone who's a subject matter expert in the area you're going after funding, pair them with that grant writer and help them work on it together. And even if that subject matter expert is not Um, A writer, you really need them for their brain. And to be Uh able to have that grant writer work with that subject matter expert. So let's say it's a youth violence prevention uh, grant. Uh, You know, all departments have someone who's focusing on juvenile justice or youth uh, focused programming. And, uh, you know, they can uh, tell the grant writer the lay of the land, they can help identify what the needs are, what it's going to cost, who's going to work on it, Um, and all that information just has to go into a proposal, kind of the who, what, where, when, why, and how, and that's your grant proposal. So it really isn't very complex uh, if you, I think, have a collaborative um, effort. And And the police department likes that because, uh, you know, most, um, I would say most subject matter experts did not get in the, in the policing or fire field uh, to be grant writers. <laughs> <They didn't laughs> yeah. decide. This is why I want to go into it. So, It works for both.
0: Yeah, yeah. I tell uh, many, many folks that have been great first responders, uh, whether saving people out of burning buildings or um, doing awesome law enforcement work that go into the entrepreneurial space where I have a little bit of knowledge and say, you know what? You were really good at that you need a whole different set of skills here not saying that you can't learn them but you can't you can't approach it like a burning fire or a robbery in progress
1: yeah you're absolutely right and you know it's, it's funny even the podcast world right i mean you're an expert in podcasts and then you have guests who are an expert in in what they do and uh mm-hmm. If someone tried to do their own podcast it's it's hard so it's it's the same thing it's definitely a team or collaborative effort i think grant writing to be successful
0: yeah it it, podcasting can be hard unless you've got a face for radio like i do (laughs) (laughs) now a word from one of the POCUA's proud business partners officerprivacy.com officerprivacy.com was founded by pete james a law enforcement professional with over 25 years of experience. Pete wanted to find a way to help law enforcement officers protect themselves and their families. So he formed a team to create a way to quickly identify and remove their information from certain sites. OfficerPrivacy.com is the result. This service is already offered through a select few of our POCUA organizations. As a listener of Public Safety Talk Radio, you can take advantage of a special offer from officerprivacy.com. Go to officerprivacy.com slash P-O-C-U-A, and when you sign up, you'll get two additional bonuses. In addition to removing your personal information from the top 30 people search sites, they will give you your first two months of monitoring free. This is a value of $39.98. In addition to that, you'll receive a cell phone privacy device, a $19.99 value. This prevents data from leaving your cell phone when you use public charging stations and is a must when traveling. So go to officerprivacy.com slash POCUA today to take advantage of this offer and to protect your privacy. Organizations who are members of the POCUA and are interested in offering the service directly to their members, contact us at pocua at btcinc.org. Here, here in 2022, you know, we're you know, we're getting out of the pandemic, you know, as we talked about in the last public safety foundation summit. Um, It seems like the pendulum is starting to turn a little bit to where it's not so anti-law enforcement. You know, we're, we're starting to get into something that we might actually call normal. What are you seeing grants being used for? What are people applying for and how, when they get them, how are they using these funds for public safety?
1: So I think the biggest need uh, right now um, is obviously to address violent crime that has resulted from um, uh, the pandemic. We know that crime went up. We know that um, uh, uh, there's a lot of problems out there, but we also know that we can't hire our way out of uh, the problem because recruit and retention um, are big problems in uh I think almost every uh, police department or law enforcement agency that I work with. Um, and so technology is really um, the force multiplier. Mm-hmm. You've know, you heard that word a lot, but it's true. That's out there that's gonna help uh, police and fire and corrections uh, be more um, effective and efficient. And so there's a lot of need for uh, technology that frankly, you uh, these agencies can't afford. It's not in their budget. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their budgets uh, are much lower than all their needs. Uh, And so um, there's grant funding for that. Uh, There's unique public-private partnerships like police foundations, um, public safety foundations. um, And there's um, right now, actually, um, the, the the funding that's that's out there that will never be there again in our lifetimes uh, is the American Rescue Plan, a stimulus funding, which is just, uh, just for state and local, uh, it's $350 billion between now and the end of 2026 that has to be expended. Um, and uh, I will wager that it, a lot of uh, cities, counties, and states who have funding literally sitting in their coffers right now will not be able to spend that. And so part of my job also is trying to help um, these agencies uh, connect the dots, because Mm -hmm. how would you know that? How would you know what to do? Uh, And especially the stimulus funding, uh, there's not a 40 page application. It's just, oh, you know your city got $40 million. And then you're like, well, how can we get it? And that ends up being um, a a little bit of a a challenge uh, sometimes.
0: I go a little off the rails here, but still in both of our lanes. One of the few areas other than podcasting that I actually do have some expertise is in entrepreneurship. And I've said on this show a number of times, um, people that know me know that I'm definitely not an optimist, depending on who you talk to on the particular day, they'll say I'm either a pessimist or a realist. Uh, I choose to label myself as the latter. But in all of this, let's just use a really highly technical MBA term, crap, that's happened over the last you know, year, 18 months, two years. One thing that has made me uh, really optimistic. That has made me really motivated as to what's happening in public safety. Is all of the entrepreneurial suit, the pursuits that I'm seeing um, at the shot show. You know, I saw you know uh, bulletproof vests that were almost paper thin. Um, I saw all types of technology and science that were going to help uh, healthcare and EMTs and police officers and firefighters you know, do their job more efficiently and, and better, you know, whether that was you know, a high-tech drone or a, a better door or a better spray than pepper spray. It just blew my mind in, in the most positive of ways and in even a lot of the retired police officers that I've talked to recently have said that, yeah, that's where the real, for lack of a better way of putting it, hope is. Mm -hmm. is, Is that what can be done with science and technology over the next five years in public safety is amazing. So from a grant perspective, you know, if you have a for-profit organization or a non-for-profit organization that you know, does have that expertise in science and technology, it, can they get those grants? Do they need to partner with somebody like a foundation or a public safety organization? How can they, if at all, access some of that funding?
1: So uh, I agree with your uh, realism or optimism. I'm optimistic as well. Um, I think that there's a lot of um, uh, demonstration or pilot programs or testing uh, that's going on that will continue to grow. And I think uh, whether you're a for-profit or nonprofit that wants to test a new program or technology or piece of equipment, uh, I think there are a lot of opportunities uh, out there to do so. Um, I agree that you have to partner with a public safety agency because you're just testing your um, vest or testing your uh, sensor um, that collects new information or a new training um, um, curriculum that uses technology allergy. Uh, that's great if you were going to um, uh, a conference on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, entrepreneurial conference, but if you want the police or fire departments to use it, they're going to have to see it, touch it, believe it, and then share it with their colleagues, which is the best way to increase, I think your sales, uh, that this is something really cool and by word of mouth. Um, and so the funding that's out there. Some of it is uh, in the justice system, the Department of Justice, but some of it is in the Small Business Administration. Some of it is really, uh, like you said already, with public safety foundations and being creative, but I think the key partnerships there is to find um, police and fire leaders that are willing to open up their organizations and their agencies uh, to test and to try these uh, new innovations, because that's how they get better. Mm-hmm. And that's how, from a business point of view, you're gonna grow your product.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah, I'm even thinking, and, and maybe I'm really thinking outside the box, there's fortunately so much of so much attention now. Uh, more than there ever has been before in terms of first responder wellness wellness programs. There's there's yoga for first responders. <laughs> there's you know probably six others that my old brain just aren't isn't remembering right now. That, yeah, I keep thinking that that's where, you know, I mean, people, some people that are uneducated, unlike you and I think, oh, well, you know, there's just all these funds so people, so police can buy more guns, which isn't the case. Yeah, there, there are a lot of programs out there that are enhancing uh, first responder wellness, which helps them be even better at the jobs. Yeah, are there is there any funding going towards those programs that you know of?
1: Yeah. And um, to your point, um, there's not a, it's, there's not like piles of money out there to buy things. like right. widgets. It's really has to be woven into a story and a program, which again, might be intimidating or challenging to some people, but really um, it's, it's how our brains work. You know, why do you need that? What are you mm-hmm. going to do with it? Um it's very simple. And on, um, Uh, For mental health and wellness and other behavioral health, um, we uh, are seeing so much funding and I would say on both sides of the house. So there's funding for first responders. Um, There are federal grants that are out there that you can apply for for your agency to grow uh, internal resources um, because, you know, obviously I'm preaching to the choir here, but it's the most stressful job there that is out there. And mm-hmm. um, and because of that, it's gonna affect you and your family. And I'm happy to say the grant funding I've seen lately goes beyond just the first responders, it's, it's for families as well. And then there's on the flip side, the people that you interact with who have behavioral health issues, uh, maybe they're drug addicted, maybe um, there's mental illness and how, we work or how first responders uh, address those situations mm. in a productive way there's a lot of funding uh, for that and probably more than i've seen but you know I think it's not like if you um, if you if you're a department or an agency that said we want to do um. Uh, you know, we want to address mental health issues for youth that you can look up and there's a direct grant for mental health issues for youth. There may be an uh, overall grant on um, for police departments to improve their Uh, training for uh, crisis intervention. And within that, then you would put a focus on youth. And so you have to be a little creative on connecting the dots. And that's where I'm a big fan of networking and talking to other people. Um, And even finding out and it's pretty easy to do who won some grants to fund projects like that in the past and talking to them. And, and mm-hmm. you will find that people who have won awards to address just some of these issues are very willing to share their ideas, their awards. Everyone loves to give advice that they, they, <laughs> they'll, they'll advise you. They'll send you copies of their winning proposal just by asking uh, and that grows your network and then you grow sure. theirs. And so I think there's a lot of uh, ways to, um, to not only uh, look for funding, but to get help uh, in applying for some of these uh, grants that are out there.
0: Sure, sure, great advice. It sounds like um, you yeah, know it's is one of my colleagues in the POC way always says it's all about relationships and it's ridiculous. You know, you want to, you want to do a first responder podcast. Oh, I know a guy, you know, oh, you want to do a, a meeting in New York City. Oh yeah, I know a guy. <laughs> I think he even invited me to the White House. I'm like, why do I want to go to the White House? I'm not traveling 3000 miles, but anyhow, uh, be that as it may, I, I'm sure that there are a lot of uh, departments, public safety organizations that have tried to do this on their own uh, and probably unsuccessfully. And then they were wise enough to call an expert like a Joan Brody. Uh, and then you come on scene, You know what is the biggest mistake or some of the biggest mistakes that you see right off the bat and say, yeah, this is why you ain't getting crap. <laughs> yeah,
1: because, um, well, first of all, um, they a lot of these agencies um you know this is may sound unkind it's it's not just public safety it's effort people don't follow directions i mean really (laughs) the biggest the biggest where it uh, says where
0: it says name they they don't they fill out the address (laughs) yeah exactly
1: no i mean it's if you follow you know so um i think the biggest mistake they make is um they think that um it's just so, uh, they think it's super fast and super easy um, to just go online, apply for a grant, and the check's going to come in the mail. And it's a process. And once you understand that process, you realize it's not that hard, but They have to understand the process and follow the direction, so the process for a federal grant and again you know I always joke that if I could influence this process i'd live in a much bigger house. Um, (laughs) But you know you can't it's the federal government moves at their own speed and they release grant solicitations uh, when they do, and they make awards. When they do, when things happen, you know, they just recently got a new um, grants management system that uh, really had a lot of issues and that delayed grants. Uh, We just changed administration. And even though it's more than a year, if you think about it, The past year's grants uh, were under the former administration and the current administration. So they were kind of half and half the staff. This is the first year that it's 100% the new administration staff. And so they dotted their I's and crossed their T's and it took a while to get solicitations out the door, uh, which happens usually around this time in any change of administration. And because of that, all these grants are coming out now and the process is you apply for them and then maybe you hear um, if things are normal and nothing's been normal for the past two years or more. Uh, you hear September 30th, and then there, they have to approve your budget and then you have to do a mandatory planning um uh a committee that decides uh working with a training and technical assistance provider so there are a lot of steps yeah. and if you understand them at the beginning then you know what to expect and you're prepared um and you can plan accordingly but it's not uh it is not a quick process and that's for public federal grant mm-hmm. um, again, going back to the American Rescue Plan, but I'll just give you an example. Uh, I work with one department that literally wrote a two-page concept paper, a summary of what they needed for technology, sent it to their city manager. And two weeks later, they were approved for $750,000 to build a real-time crime center. Mm -hmm. And I give you that example because it can be that easy for certain pots of money. Private funding is also a little easier. Um, but I think it's like, you know, someone investing, you have to diversify. So you have to apply for public funding. You have to apply for grants, competitive grants, maybe some of these unique opportunities that are out there every now and then. Um, and then these these private grants as well. But any of these um, uh any of these grant opportunities, there's a process you have to understand it. And with the federal system, again, going back to your original question, the biggest Mm -hmm. mistake is not following the directions. Um, If you know the process, you know that there is a group called peer reviewers that are congressionally mandated that have to read your proposal, who have a checklist, and guess where they get that checklist from? From that 45 page document. (laughs) So if you put everything in there that they say, and it could literally be as easy as reading that document. And maybe it's not 45 pages, maybe it's 25 pages now. But if you highlight everything that you need to include and you include it, you're mm. going to get a high score. And then um, you know that bodes well for your chances of getting an award. So really following directions. Um, I've been a peer reviewer. And I should say to all your listeners, uh, they're always looking for peer reviewers who are practitioners it's a great thing to do. It doesn't pay a lot of money, but Mm. it's uh, really good to see the other side and to see um, not only uh, how the process works, but what people submit. And that gives you a sense, hopefully, of how to improve your own uh, proposals uh, as well.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I would have never not being in your area of expertise would have never thought about that. But that makes a hell of a lot of sense to see the other side. (laughs) He kind of understands like, yeah, you know, here's a couple of the pitfalls. Let's not go there um so to to begin to to wrap up because the white Sox game is coming on in half an hour um <laughs> literally as we tape this show um and that's important to joan and i um what is is there a number one piece of advice other than the obvious which people should do which is if they're if they're interested in a grant or having problems getting funding um to call an expert like a joan brody uh, other than that, is there a number one piece of advice that you would give public safety organizations out there uh, when they're looking for funding, when they're looking for grants?
1: Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest advice there is to figure out what you want to buy. and And that sounds obvious, but um, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, I worked with a um, police department once. Their domestic violence unit um, said, Joan, we need funding. If you can find us funding for a DV unit, that would just be tremendous. And lo and behold, like a month or two later, a grant came out that was pretty open-ended. It was $200,000. And I went back to them. I said, here's this grant. This fits. It's the eligibility is your city. Uh, DV is the focus. What do you want to do? And uh, they said, oh, okay. Um, well, I said, do you want to hire uh, new officers or detectives? No, we, we have a hiring freeze. Do you want contractual hires? No, no, we, we can't do that. Do you need computers? No, we just got new computers. So we kind of went through this list. I finally said, why don't you think about what you want to do? Right. Uh, and come back to me and they came back to me and they said okay well really what we want to do is uh we want to engage with some community-based providers who provide services and uh, we have to meet with them so i said do you need meeting room space and they said no no what we need is uh, coffee at the meetings and i said okay so now we only have you know one hundred and ninety-nine thousand nine hundred and fifty
0: 950
1: yeah <laughs> And the funny part of that story is most grants don't allow food anymore, Mm -hmm. but what ended up happening is we sat down and we figured out how they could uh, embed a social worker in this case in their department. Mm -hmm. Uh, The grant could pay for that. They ended up paying for some overtime for their detectives. They ended up buying some new technology and they spent the funding, but it really was a long process. And so if you figure out what you want to buy, then you can really focus your grant search. And there's a lot of great tools, even before the grant season starts, Mm -hmm. um, that you can look at to search and be prepared, be proactive, have your subject matter expert ready, know what you want to fund, have it approved up your chain of command. Um, And then writing the grants, the easy part. Um, I always say writing the grants, the easy part, figuring out what you want to buy. That's hard and again because it's policy and programming and that does take a lot of thought. So that's my my biggest piece of advice is figure out what you want to buy before yeah. you start looking.
0: Yeah, somebody who has run managed and facilitated hundreds of conferences at hotels and restaurants. If with coffee as much as fifty dollars a gallon um i could have probably used a grant just for coffee um with inflation now it's probably a hundred dollars a gallon but i <laughs> but let's let's not go down that rabbit hole uh, joan last question for you most important question is for our folks out there that really could use your services and expertise how can they best find a joan brody
1: so uh, the best way to, to find me and uh, you're going to, I'm going to give you my email address. This just reach out to me and uh, it's an old, I like to call myself vintage. My kids are mortified that I'm still on AOL, but it <laughs> works. Uh, Brody JL, that's B-R-O-D-Y-J-L at AOL.com. Uh, an oldie but a goodie. Uh, it's kind of a joke. People always remember me, um, but uh, yeah, reach out to me, and if if I can't help you, I can definitely uh, you know steer you in the right direction to someone who can. And 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 I'm happy to answer questions. Uh, awesome. Anytime. So please reach out.
0: So can they find you on MySpace too?
1: Uh, no, not
0: my face. <laughs> oh, uh, Joan Brody, come to TikTok in a, in exactly a phone near soon, you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, Joan, I had an awesome time talking with you. Um, I learned a lot. Um, so I know our listeners have learned a lot as well. Joan, thanks so much for spending some time with us today.
1: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and everyone.
0: My pleasure. And thank you to all of you who have either watched or listened to this episode of Public Safety Talk Radio. And we'll be back with you next week with another great guest. Public Safety Talk Radio was produced by the POC POCUA The POC is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement, as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. To learn more about our association, and to find one of our credit unions or service providers near you, go to www.policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today.